the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. And 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. I've been like nervous, so nervous for this because I like, I'm like, all right, like, run through the checklist of all the things, like why you're nervous. Uh, because so many big shifts in perspective I've had are like, okay, why are you actually feeling what you're feeling right now? And like, how can you like understand it? So you're not freaking out and just like, you know, understanding my body and nervous system. And it's like so much of the tools I learned from just like feeling anxious and nervous of learning how to just be like, okay, well, these are all the same feelings I have when I'm excited. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait to do something. So it's like shifting like your thought of like what's happening to you based on your nervous system. And I was like, why am I so excited? And it's like, number one, like I have so much respect for you. And I just like, I love you so much. Thanks, buddy. I love you. And it's so cool. Cause like, I feel like I give myself this like self-proclaimed cool position to have seen you in such a like unique light from like behind the scenes from the very beginning and then being able to see it, you know, from, from afar and just loving it so much. So it's so cool what you've done. Thank you. It's so cool. Like there's, I mean, there's so many people that we can kind of apply that to, right. Of like, I knew you when you were doing X, Y, and Z, and I've seen these struggles and these ups and downs and, oh my God, now you're hitting on all fucking cylinders doing this other thing. It's so cool. I keep using Becky as the example for that because I was just talking about it in a previous interview. Um, but it always blows my mind to see like when she came out at NXT doing her Gaelic dancing, trying to figure out what's working here, what's going to not work. And then like seeing her hanging out backstage and catering, trying to figure out what's my next thing to get back on TV and to be back in with Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey. to now she's like the biggest thing in pro wrestling and like a full different level of superstar. It's so cool. It's insane. And it's like, it's this cool ability to be like such a fan of the person for like every reason ever. And especially stepping away from, you know, this world that we all kind of know each other from is stepping away from it and like dealing with all the, I want to say side effects or symptoms of like what comes with that and then processing it differently while you're not in it. And then having this like really profound respect for what it is. And like, even for me, like the things that I went through and, and experienced and thought about and like struggled through, I'm like, now I'm like, Oh my God, like, geez, 
like looking at, you know, what, looking at the situation outside of it. And then also, and then just being like, oh my gosh, the artistry required for every part of it. And then truly recognizing so many people as like true, true, true artists of their craft. And then like more of the respect comes from not a lot of people truly know what that is or what it is. And so it's just, it's so cool. I feel like I have such a cool view and perspective of it. So I just, I, so number one, that's like one of the reasons why I was like, just excited and nervous because I'm like, this is so cool. Like, and I really loved like our last, I feel like our true last reunion was at a few years ago at the May Young. And it was like this other really integral part, I think for like both of us and our careers. And it was just like, Hey man, what's up? Like, (laughs) yes, it's so funny. That really was, I mean, me coming in there to do that. And you were like this comfort to me because I was like, oh my God, yes, Celeste is in here. I've not seen her for a while. I already know your stories. I know that I'm going to be able to call your matches out there to a degree. I mean, fuck, I didn't know what I was doing in terms of calling matches, but there was a familiarity with you that I knew. So as soon as I saw you, I was like, oh my God, thank God you're here. I like, let's figure this shit out. Because that is such a whirlwind, especially you go into the May Young. And I'm sure for you, I can't even imagine your perspective because you had been away from wrestling for years. And then you get catapulted back in to, God, how many familiar faces were back there for you? There couldn't have been many. How funny is this frame of perspective? You know, you got catapulted back into this world. And I'm like, as you're saying that, I'm like, well, I guess that's actually how I started in this world anyways, with like wrestling. So it's like how much of a impromptu comeback in those style that I'm used to, but you named it. Like I felt so much comfort with you even more so. Like I ha- I have a different relationship with like Beth, like that was very, very comforting. And like, I have so much love and respect for Beth too. And even Michael Cole, you know, like that was strange because, you know, I had never really like had the opportunity or created the opportunity for myself to have a conversation with him after I was like away from everything for so long, because I had this like grudge and bitterness towards a lot of things that I hadn't like worked through or like looked at properly, I guess. And by properly, I mean like really understanding them and and how certain things affected me, especially in my career and, and wrestling. And Michael Cole was like this big part of it. And like, I get it. Like everybody just does what they have to do. Everybody just does. Like they show up in the way that everyone's in survival mode. Everybody is. Yes. And it's like, I was in that. And so was everyone. And so it's like being away from that and like processing so much of like my life and the things that shape me and like really coming into that. Now I started really like working on all this stuff within myself in my early thirties, but really, really profoundly in the last two years. So when I saw you and Beth and Michael Cole, I the May Young Classic. I wasn't where I'm at now, obviously, but like, it was cool to be able to talk to him and be like, I get it. Like, I totally get what you were doing and why you were doing it. And I get, like, I just get it. And I, I have so much respect for you. And like, I, it was like a, just a cool moment for me to come back and rekindle like three very different, but very like impactful relationships. And then going, and you're right. Like there wasn't anybody that I knew really, but it was cool because like before in the beginning, and I think this is true for a lot of people, or it used to be, I feel like it probably still is, when you get the opportunity to get signed by this like unbelievably huge company and you're like, oh my God, you know, this is like everything I could have ever imagined for myself. You'll do anything. You'll sign anything. You'll make an ass of yourself. And I now understand the difference between just doing it to do it and the difference between like having an understanding within myself of like why I'm doing something and, and that my standards and how I carry myself. But then like, I was always so afraid and you're right. Like, it's like everyone is like every single day in the culture that exists now. And especially when I was there, it's just, it's a culture of constantly having to prove yourself. It ebbs and flows. And I know I felt this way and I have seen it from the outside perspective of other people's careers as well, where it ebbs and it flows. And there's times that you're like, so-and-so loves this person. Everything is working for you. It's all great. And then there'll be like, it feels like there's like a little bit of a fuck up that all of a sudden like, oh, maybe this promo didn't go well or maybe this match didn't go well. And then you see this like confidence starts to shake and these, you know, you see that sort of the, the decline and then somebody picks back up again. And it's always those ups and downs and ups and downs. But when you feel like you're on one of those highs, it's like, okay, everything's great. I feel cool about this. But when it's not that moment, you are very much so like, how do I get back to being in, you know, whether it's Vince's good graces or whatever, it, it can be a real fucking battle. Oh my God. It is. Cause when you, when you are in that spot, it's like, oh my gosh, I, I've worked so hard for this. I've, I've worked, this is everything I've worked for to have the, the moments where you truly feel valued and like, and, and seen and desired as like an, you know, an entertainer. Um, and so those moments are, of course, they're like, 
oh my God, this is everything I, I've wanted. But it is so difficult to recognize those moments when they're happening to actually be present for them because you're just so fucking worried about when you're going to lose it. And then inevitably you lose it. Just it's, It is the ebbs and flows. But I think the ebbs and flows become cyclical in, in nature because like we cycle ourselves through it. We it's like, we work so hard. We work so hard. We work so hard every day. Oh my God. I need to prove myself. How can, how, what, what is it that needs? I, I want to be enough. I need, I need, how can I be enough? Like, you know, for me, it was my body. Like I'm like in my understanding, the way that I grew up, that all the things that shaped me, all my experiences, you know, the way pop culture, religion, uh, education, everything, my, my family was that like, my only value is my body. My only value is my, my sexuality, but it's, that's not even truly mine to own. So I was like, when I got hired, I had zero experience. And so it was like this unbelievably cool opportunity to like, I just got to start wrestling on NXT. And you got brought up to the main roster really quickly too. Yeah, it all happened so fast. So I was like, I don't know anything about wrestling in general, pro wrestling. I don't know anything about, uh, I, I don't I don't have, I'm not a skilled wrestler. I don't, I'm not a technical wrestler. I I just have myself, right? And, and so like, I... I constantly was like, I have, what can I learn? I have to prove myself, but it, I could, I would only let it go so far. I wasn't like truly immersing myself in understanding how to be better, how to show up different, how to, uh, to, to learn the psychology of it and, and like the artistry of it. Cause I was so afraid. I was so afraid that like I, my value that I perceived my value as my body wasn't good enough. So like none of the other shit mattered to me. So I'm like, how can I be leaner? How can I dress in a way that, that gets more attention or garners Vince's attention, or that fits this specific box of like, you know, this checklist of things that I have to be, to be relevant, to, to be valued, to be understood, to be respected, to be accepted. And because I was doing that for so long, I, all of my attention was there, all of my focus was there. I could not see like, my actual value, my magic, like the whole time on NXT, it was me. It was who I am that shined through to be able to win the season. And, but I never saw it. That's the thing. I could never see myself. I could never understand it. So I always chalked it up to, well, I got lucky or I must have the type of body of someone they're looking for right now. Or, and, and so for any other reason, but it to be that it's me. And now I look back at wrestling and I'm like, oh my God, my story to myself has been, cause like I've done countless interviews on the way that I debuted, the way that I started. Cause it was like, it's such an interesting story. I got hired. And then three weeks later, I debuted on a, on live TV on a, you know, wrestled for the first time live. It's so crazy. Cause I, my story to myself has been, and it has evolved about like the way that I look at it, but it has been, oh, I didn't have a character. I didn't know anything about wrestling. I was just myself. But the funny thing is like this weekend, I realized I was at WrestleCon doing a signing. Now at this point, like when I do appearances, like I just love connecting with people because I feel like it's just like this beautiful aspect that I never truly valued as much as I do now, that connection. And someone, we were talking about it, about like my debut or someone was asking me some questions about it. And I was like, oh my God, I literally didn't even know how to be myself in my life in general. I did not know how to be myself. I had learned from such an early age to suppress this aspect of myself, to dim this aspect of myself, to deny this aspect. What parts of you do you mean? Just like my true voice, my true desires, my true, like the things that I truly love um, or my needs or, or, or just who I am in exchange for like my human needs, like the love and acceptance I needed from like my parents. So it's like you learn to suppress an aspect of yourself, like don't show emotion, don't cry, don't, don't ask for things if you want love, if you want attention. So you literally learn on such an early age to suppress these aspects of yourself. If no one ever teaches you or, or shows you how to access these parts of yourself, once you are an adult, once that all of those like beliefs and understandings about what the world is and, and who you are, they're already solidified in your subconscious. So unless you go back and visit them, you continue just seeing the world that way and perceiving yourself that way. So like I had parts of myself that had like so much shame about like, aspects of my sexuality, like in general, just like my expression as a person, the, 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 the way that I speak, the way that I move my body, the way that I carry myself, the fluidity of mind, body, soul. Like I didn't have all of those pieces because I rejected so many parts of myself in exchange to be good enough. And so that was just magnified once I got on TV. So I'm like, I'm just being myself, whatever that is. And just like, you know, it's like taking these pieces of like things that I liked and loved and like trying to construct this version of myself that I thought would be like loved and received. 
And so I didn't even realize that I didn't even know myself or even have the slightest clue of who I truly am until I was like 33 years old. But I think that's a lot of people. I mean, you look at when you started to now and it's like, yeah, we don't know who we are until like, we don't know who the fuck we are then. We're kids. And I, you know, when you're in it and you're on the road and you've had these responsibilities and you're on TV and you're getting some fame, you have all these things, you're like, you feel like you should be this fully formed functioning human being that understands everything that you're going through and you just simply don't. Um, and it, it is such a learning curve. God, you've just said so many things that made my head be like, oh my God, I have a million questions for you. But the biggest thing for me is like, for me to see this shift in you, you have always been this like very bright, infectious personality. Like you're the person people want to like gravitate to, to hang out with. And you've always been that. And now to see this version of you, that's just like this clarity that you have that's like, oh my God, I feel like I can like see your third eye happening like before <laughs> me, like teach me your ways. How did you, like what was the process of going through those things and revisiting, I guess, some of the trauma that comes with being catapulted into the position that you were in in dealing with some of the body issues that you were dealing with and just those struggles of the highs and the lows to where you are now to fully understand and concept all those things that you went through. So like, what was the work into getting into that understanding of all of these things? First of all, you said it in the first part of going into the, this question, you said when you get catapulted into something like fame or, or something like, you know, ex extremely high pressure, you do, you have that expectation of yourself. I should be here. I should have, I should have this shit together. I should, I should have this understanding. I should, I should, 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 I should be these things just because I now have this different level of fame. I all of a sudden have this responsibility to be all these things because I have all this attention on me. I have this influence. I have this power and I don't know how to use it. And it's like, how do I live up to this position, this role? This happens to everybody. You said it, it is the human experience. It is the absolute human experience, but it's like on a level of being at the height of something, being on television, uh, being a, a select few in an industry that people work their whole lives to get to, right? Like it's so prestigious. So it's like, I can't fuck up. My time in WWE, it would be easy to say, oh, fucked me up. However, I now realize, and, and I, I thought that for a long time because I, I, and that's why I couldn't, I didn't do anything in wrestling for a really long time until like the May Young. And that's why that was such a big deal to me because like, I literally didn't know how to process it. Anytime I would do like an appearance or like a signing or talk about wrestling, I would have these feelings that I didn't know how to process and look, and I didn't know how to not have them essentially. Everything I look at in wrestling, the painful shit, the, the things that I, I went through and was struggling with, like during my time there, also the really like profoundly beautiful things, all the opportunities, the travel, the connections, the love available to me from fans and, and my peers and the deep connections that are made, like all of it, all of it showed me and reflected to me things that already existed in me, pain that already existed in me. Um, and so if you can truly look at your life, at like everything in your life, every aspect, like your career, every, everything that, that has to do with like your profession and then your, your family, your relationships, and then your body and your health, you look at everything, it reflects to you what you have going on within yourself. And it's like, if you can say, oh my gosh, like I don't understand myself. I want to understand why I am the way that I am. I want to understand how to like shift my perspective. I'm going to understand how to like change habits. I want to understand how to not feel the way that I feel when I come into contact or think about or talk about wrestling. I left wrestling because I was like, I thought I was just going to get fired. I felt like less and less relevant. I had so much like shame. I had gained all this weight and like my body was just giving me every signal that I was not okay. Like emotionally, like mentally, I just, I had so much like hatred for myself. I had so much resentment for myself and like that projected outwards towards others. And like, I was like in self-destruct mode. And so I just asked for my release on a day that like, it was like a really shitty day. Of oh, I remember it so specifically. We were in Philadelphia. <laughs> Every time I would be in that building, I would think of that moment with you in the locker room. I was so disassociated from like so much of that day because it was so painful. Cause like, I didn't understand why I was doing these things. I just was like, I don't know what to do. And like, I, for a long time, hated the way I left. Cause like I ripped myself out of like really the only like love and support I had really in my life, but I didn't know how to receive any of it. Like I was isolating myself. 
So I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is time for me to leave. And I had gotten engaged really fast. And I felt like I just needed to go on like a hiatus and just figure my shit out. You know, I left and I got like a couple months severance and I didn't really have a plan on what I was going to do. I, I literally felt like I don't have anything to give, to share. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what my career, I felt so lost. And so like, I just got married and I was like, well, I'll start a business. And I was like, maybe I can do that. I don't know anything about business. I don't know anything about clothing manufacturing and stuff. And I can see this now to me, it was just replacing wrestling and wrestling was replacing fitness and competing. So like my only relevance I felt growing up, like in my teen years, especially I I started to find my identity in being really muscular and strong. And so I started working out a lot and I competed as soon as I got out of high school and that became my identity. I was like, this is the way that I'm going to get love and respect and, and, and be something in the world is through this. This is the vessel. And so when I started doing that, I had some success. And then immediately after the first couple of shows I did, I started having like really fucked up body dysmorphia and, and didn't, I didn't understand nutrition. I didn't understand how to take care of myself. That sure is a popular topic on this podcast lately where the body dysmorphia shit is fucking gnarly. Every fucking body. It became very toxic and unhealthy, like in my competing days, but I still was like, this is my meal ticket. This is my bread and butter. I don't know what the fuck else I would do with my life. I thought so little of myself. That like kills me to hear. Oh my gosh. Isn't it crazy though? Like, I think it's like why I love connecting to fans so much now when I do like signings and stuff. Cause I'm like, just so you know, whatever you're going through right now. Cause like a lot of times people come up and they're so nervous and they're just like, like a wreck. And I'm like, just so you know, like whatever you're feeling like is so okay. When I was on TV, like I felt like this every day. And so it's like, just so you know, we're all the same. And it's like, it's so cool. Cause like that really gives people this ability to be like, oh, so like wrestling became my new vessel. Like this is who how I'm going to be someone. This is my, this is the only, this is it. This is my opportunity. So I grasped it so tightly. Like this has to work for me. This is my way to be someone in my life. This is it. And so that's why like when it didn't turn out to be that for me, I think like I just started falling apart and like being like, why can't I figure this out? And then when I left after, you know, I got married and I started my business that was my new way of proving and being like, please tell me I'm good enough world. Like, please tell me I am, I am enough to be successful to, to uh, run a business. I'm, I'm, I'm smart enough to do that. I'm capable enough to do that. And seven years I tried seven years. I tried to do that. And I eventually towards the end of that, before I met Grant, he's my fiance. Now he's, he's my business partner. He's, he's truly, truly been my teacher. And, and now like, it's so insane to unravel like the process of the stages of like awakening I went through throughout our relationship leading up to now. But when I met him, I had just left. Um, I had just come out of, I was like months away from coming out of um, medical detox for drinking. And so like I, there was a third time. So that means like I literally could not find it in myself to look at the root problem, to look at why I was doing that to why I was numbing myself. I was like in this prison that I didn't know how to get out of. And I didn't even know that I had built myself into it. And so I like my only escape was like drinking. Cause like I are drugs. Like, cause I literally did not know how to not feel the pain that I felt on a daily basis. My body was like really unhealthy. And I just, I would like close the blinds in my house, like on sunny days. Like it was very, I was like a creature. It was like very strange. Hey guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you. Hello. Hi. And you love some combat sports. Well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. Hey, congrats on signing with AEW. How has that been? Well, I didn't do that. Wait, you didn't? No. What's the situation? It's just a free-for-all? There's a good way to start this off. No, I'm, I mean, I didn't sign, sign with them or anything like that. Oh, I thought you did. You're just free agent doing whatever you please. I'm still with New Japan, but luckily, you know, I have a fair bit of freedom and where I can kind of go and do what I want, so to speak. Well, that's nice. Well, okay, good. I'm glad we cleared that up right off the bat. 
Yeah, there we go. I, I don't. I think uh, I thought it was uh, kind of known. I don't. You might have been one of the only few that actually still bought them. There was never one of those sweet graphics put out with me. So, well, hey, it's nice to get a little bit of everything, right? Why not? Exactly. Yeah, it's fun. You never know where or when I'll show up, which I keep saying nonstop. You know, people only know when I'm going to be at one place with this impact. AW New Japan just makes it all a little bit more exciting. It must be nice for you too, just to like. If there is somebody else in another promotion that you want to work with or, yeah, you just feel like you need to switch it up a little bit, like, why not? Yeah, spread those wings. Get out there. It's, it's nice to be able to, to have that freedom, I think, and be able to try and uh, make those certain things happen. Are you in Florida right now? I am. Can you tell by how beautiful and sunny it is? <laughs> I can tell by that, like, enclosed pool situation that is, like, quintessential Florida. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, we get attacked by bugs and all that. Just the other day, actually, I had two snakes outside of LMA, which I'm not really a fan of. So thank God we got the Lenar. Otherwise, they would be in here probably. I think they were looking for water as well. I'm sure. Oh, my God. I couldn't even imagine being in a pool and a snake jumps in there or like alligators are everywhere in Florida. Uh-uh. Yeah, there was one um, on the driveway next door the other day. And there's the uh, the gym I go to. They've got like a pond out back with the doors open. There's always just one alligator sunning out there. So. That was very different to me being from New Zealand, you know, and now out here there's just alligators and snakes everywhere. Wait, what is like the wildlife in New Zealand like? Because everyone like being from Canada, everyone's like, oh, what do you have like a pet moose or what do you have like a beaver? Like that's like the quintessential thing. What is it for New Zealand? Honestly, I'm not sure what people expect to find there. One of the wildest ones I've heard somebody think that there was a particular animal in New Zealand. Actually, Flip Gordon, I think he believes zebras, that we had zebras, wild zebra. This was years ago. We're out to dinner somewhere in Japan. And he's, he's like, wait, you don't have wild zebra in New Zealand? I was like, I don't know what you think about New Zealand, dude, but no, we don't have zebra <laughs> running around. Our, our native bird, our like national like icon, our native bird, the kiwi, flightless, long beak, can't really do much. So, you know, it's not, not overly impressive, but just kind of cute. We love a flightless bird. Hey, exactly. Yeah, just a cute <laughs> little flightless bird. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I was getting ready to hop on to do this interview with you. And... I had a really weird travel day yesterday where I lost my one bag, so I didn't have any makeup. I couldn't get camera ready, which is fine. It, you know, we're going au naturel. Let's call it the Alicia Keys look. It's fine. Hey, you and me both. I just jumped in the pool. You know, I haven't done my makeup either. Don't worry about it. Have you been in a situation of losing your luggage and being like in a pinch? I think I've been pretty fortunate. Touch wood, you know, I got a flight tonight, so... Well, hopefully it doesn't happen then, but I think I've been pretty fortunate in not losing bags. I think a lot of people have been having terrible travel experiences recently. It's been nuts. I know last weekend people trying to get in and out of uh, Tampa with like tornado warnings and stuff. People's flights were canceled. Luck luckily, I was very fortunate to get back from Dallas. I was on a later flight. I had no issues, but I know people before me, uh, I think people weren't getting, they weren't even getting home that day, maybe even not the next one. So I was very lucky with that, but no, I've uh, I've been pretty fortunate baggage-wise, but hopefully yours turns up. Have they at least found it? You, have you heard where it is? You know what? I've not even looked into it, to be completely honest. So our flight got canceled, and then it because we were connecting, and I looked at the boarding pass, and I was like, wait, this says we're taking off tomorrow. So we, we ended up just grabbing a car and driving home because it was like a four hour drive and the flight, the flight wouldn't have been until like 9am this morning. So, I mean, it would be here now if it is. So I got to look into it after this. It's fine. It's just stuff, whatever. I'll find it. I'll track it down. A little bit different if you were trying to get to a show or something and you don't have any stuff. I've never had that. You've never done that where you've not, you've not had your gear or your boots or anything like that. No, I've been fortunate about that. I think like a lot of wrestlers, I've probably had the nightmare of either forgetting your gear <laughs> yeah, or your music's playing. Yes. I think that's a common one. Uh, I've never forgotten my gear though. I, I did have to lend a pair of, I think, uh, trunks to Chris Hero. I want to say 2016 okay. or something. Uh, Cause that, that happened to him coming to England and he, uh, he had to kind of mix and match with other guys gear because of Basco lost. But luckily myself, Never happened. I always take it carry on with me. So to make sure it gets there. Smart. You know, you're an old pro. You know how it goes. Bring your boots. Carry them on. Well, that was one of the first things. One of the first things I got told when it, especially when it came to traveling as a wrestler, make sure you take your gear and you carry on so you can still do your job. That's so funny. The dream of your music hitting. I know John has had that several times and you'll like tell me that. I recently had a dream that I was in like seg three of raw, I got handed this crazy long promo that had like very weird specific verbiage 
Um, and I, of course, had no time to learn it. And uh, that was my nightmare. Do you have dreams like that? The one of the music uh, hitting and it's usually my boots. I got pretty high boots, a lot of laces to do up. It's tedious. So that's always the I think that's the common one is music's playing. And I'm like and I'm only down on my ankle. I'm nowhere near being done at the knee. I'm, I'm just starting and I'm like, I don't. And it's, it's weird because in your dream, it's like, I don't know whether there's no solution to this. I can't go out there with, you know, I've got to, I got to wait till my boots up. So just keep the music playing. I don't know. It's so funny that like everyone has that same dream. It's like the same, like if you like, you know, work in like uh, the service industry of like, I've got tables and they don't have their food. They don't have their drinks. It's so weird that like that dream is transferable to other people. I find that very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's like the same insecurity that people share about, or it's just one of like the worst fears that obviously we all going to have being in a, in a similar job. So I think that's why, yeah, I think that probably is one of the worst fears is that music playing, food's not done up. So you're living in Florida now. How long have you been in the U.S. now? I mean, you've been here pretty solidly during the whole pandemic, right? I've been living in the States since, since pretty much since New Japan sent me over to Ring of Honor back in mid-2016. And like I kind of spent that time was back and forth between the States and England because that's where my base was pre-New Japan. But I'd say from 2017 onwards, I've pretty much been here full time. And then I had like got my first apartment in late 2017. So I've been here for a while. And then we got to Florida right before pandemic hit. So just before everybody else kind of came and overcrowded it, we got in right before the rent skyrocketed and stuff. So, uh, yeah, we got we got down here like January 2020. So it's been great. Compared to Michigan, I can now be out here. I'm assuming it's snowing back in Michigan. So, yeah, it's nice to not be there. We're in Cincinnati and it's currently hailing here. So, yeah, you definitely dodged a bullet with that one. Yeah, not envious of that at all, especially, again, New Zealand beaches and all that compared to Michigan. Not really my thing. I need to be close to water and sun. When was the last time you were home? I went back uh, late 2019, just before the pandemic. Uh, Fortunately, New Zealand's not really the easiest place to travel. I mean, pre-pandemic, it wasn't easy just because it's so far away and over its in its own little pocket of the world. But, you know, now it's, uh, I think, I, I'm, I'm really not sure on what the latest um, restrictions and stuff are. I just know to get back in, you had to pay for a quarantine hotel for two weeks and there was some ridiculous way that people had to get a month in advance. So it's just really not even, a, really not even an option. Yeah, no, I hear that. I just went back to Canada for the first time like two, three weeks ago. I had not been home and got almost, almost three years, I want to say. Same thing. I mean, definitely different restrictions than there are here in the U.S. So that um, for sure threw me for a loop. I miss home. I do miss it. Yeah, yeah. Me too. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to get back. But you know, family's doing all right and stuff. So most importantly. Talk to me about training in the New Japan Dojo. When you first got there, what is that experience like? Or like, what were your expectations when you got there versus what it actually was like? Uh, honestly, I didn't, it's almost like I didn't have expectations. My, my kind of mistake when I went into the dojo was I didn't do enough research on just like New Japan's history itself, whether it's the culture and just the way the system works. So I really had no clue what I was going into. I also didn't want to ask too many questions because I didn't want it to come off like I was being hesitant about it all, which I wasn't, you know, I just didn't know, am I going to train? Am I, should I be expecting to get paid? Should I be expecting to have matches? I, I had no clue what to what to expect. So once I kind of got there, yeah, it was a pretty big shock. Um, not just a culture shock, but like I said, I didn't know what to expect, you know, on the, on the wrist and side training-wise. So get in there, shave my head. Nobody else spoke English at the dojo there. We had a couple of days before they started training us and stuff. We got to go and watch Wrestle Kingdom. And then after that, it was basically wake up early in the morning. You go clean everything. 10 a.m. you'll start training and that'll last for usually on an average is three hours. It's never really shorter than that. It's pretty intense stuff, but um, I was quite fortunate where we just kind of did a ride at it at the same time. And also the, uh, at the time, the Japanese young boys I was with was a uh, yo and show. They'd been there for a little while. Not, they weren't too much of a beginner. So, cause we managed to fit into kind of their level and stuff and we could do it. We kind of didn't have to do, terrible shitty training for too long so, so that was pretty good but stay in line make sure you're respectful to everybody learn the ways of the young boy and stuff and then as long as your training is as hard as you can you kind of can't really go wrong with that 
How much do you think that that sort of style and still having that respect and being brought up through the wrestling business should be instilled in American wrestling? Because I know that is obviously the big thing is to send guys over to Japan and they learn all these things. They are the young lions. Do you think that that is something that should happen in the U.S. more? I think so, but not completely. I think the uh, I'm not saying the Japan system is perfect. I think there's plenty of flaws to it. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I think that, you know, that whole kind of respect thing, sometimes that can be overdone. I think I hear in wrestling, sometimes people think that that is just because you've been doing something for longer. That means that you're above somebody else or that. So I feel like you got to find a balance of that, whether, whether it's you know, who's been there longer and then talent and respect wise. But I, I think it is important. But again, sometimes it can just be kind of overdone and stuff. So finding a balance of that, listen to the people that have been the places where you want to go and the experiences they've had. You'd be an idiot to not listen to that stuff. So, hey, if you're going to, um, you know, want to be respectful and listen to certain people, at the end of the day, it's only going to harm you. Who were some of the main people that you really wanted to listen to that you wanted to be under the learning tree of? Nakamura was there. So I was there for one of his last years. And I, I met him once, I think, before going into the dojo because I met him in England when he came over and I met some of the other guys. And he spoke a bit more English and... You know, he's kind of into some of the West culture and this and that, I'm sure. as you've He's also it. like the coolest fucking dude of all time. Exactly. He's great. And he uh, he looked after me from the start as well. So he was always great. And again, that was 2015. So, you know, he was at the top of his game and stuff as, as he still is. But so it was really cool to try and watch him from him. And then you had guys like, of course, guys like Tanahashi and that. Just all those guys at, at kind of the top there. And, and he also had guys like Carl Anderson being some of the foreigners over there. You know, those guys looked after us as well. And, Kind of help show some stuff here. What is it like for you to have worked with Shinsuke and known him during that time, going back to 2015, to then seeing what he's done at his time at NXT, his time in WWE? What are some of the differences you see between his style, the persona, and how that has been able to like transfer over into that WWE style? I don't watch any, any if at all um, these days, but I think where he managed to... Uh, last there and it translates over is because it's not even really about the wrestling foot with, with him it's you know him himself is just kind of has has the aura and way he presents himself and i think he always obviously very uh you know whether that was a natural thing for him or if it was something he was a lot more conscious about who knows probably a little bit of both but i think you know when when you go into somewhere like WWE, not that i know from experience but it's very much more presentation the your character persona as opposed to the types of matches that he would be having back in New Japan and stuff like that. And I think that translated very well with him with his, his look, his music, and the way he carries himself. It's very easy to get drawn in and just want to watch the guy. And I think that's what's most important at the end of the day. I, as soon as he came to WWE, I was like, mm, I think I would like to make him my best friend. How can we make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, it's also, I think something to be said, it's even more impressive that he's a Japanese guy doing it to a US crowd as well. I think this should be a lot fit for that because that's... Uh, very rare, you know, if there's anything to compare to that at all. Harkening back to what we were saying at the beginning of the show of you being able to work for all these different promotions and do all these different things. Was WWE one of the things on your list of things that you want to do and to be able to just try that on for size and see what that experience is like at all or no? Um, it depends. I don't know. So are you familiar with kind of how I got into wrestling. I, don't, I like I've said this out there a bunch of times, but I don't know if people have you heard about the WrestleMania trip. No, I don't know the WrestleMania trip. Let's hear it. I started watching 2004, so when I was 11, 12, maybe a little bit later than some. wasn't big in New Zealand. Watched it for a few years. Kind of grew out of it mid teenage years. 18, finished school, joined the army really quick as an officer, but it wasn't for me. Left that. Ended up working for a friend's dad on construction sites. And the radio channel, they said, oh, we're doing a competition, uh, call up, yada, yada. You'll go in the draw to win everything paid for, go to WrestleMania. So this is 2011, early 2011. I was like, oh, shit, okay. You know, always wanted to, that would be cool. Used to watch it back in the day a few years ago. Why not? Called up, had to do some competition against somebody else. I won that. They put me in the draw. They did that for weeks. What was like the competition? I, I had to debate the other cooler and they didn't tell you whether you were for or against it. They would just tell you how to do it. I had to debate that like chick flicks were the best thing in the world or something. And I managed to do some, I managed to approach you with something where you're like, something about it's easy to take a girl out on a date with chick flicks or something, something like that. And uh, 
So I won that. Went in the draw. I only went in the draw to, to do that. And then again, a couple of weeks later, sat on site. And they're like, oh, we're doing the draw. Sat next to the radio, had my phone out. And I hear them dial the numbers. Beep, beep, beep. And my phone goes, oh, oh shit. Jump up, yelling, what the hell? So, uh, so I won uh, flights, tickets, hotel, everything paid for for me and a friend to go from New Zealand to Atlanta, uh, Hall of Fame ceremony, WrestleMania. And at that point, the only wrestling I ever knew of was WWE. Like it wasn't big in New Zealand, let alone you know, any of the other companies. And again, this is 2011, so I didn't even know New Japan existed other than, well, I knew they existed, but I never kind of watched it. You know, when I guy knew guys like Eddie Guerrero and stuff had come through and Jericho and all that. Kind of from there, you know, we went to WrestleMania and it kind of just, I don't know, it re-inspired me and it was as simple as why. Well. I never would have thought I'd go to WrestleMania, let alone win, win it on a trip on a radio station. So it's like, well, I always wanted to be when I was younger. So if this could happen, why can't that happen? That kind of just... I don't know. It just like clicked in me that it's like, well, I'm just going to do it. So that's what kind of inspired it to get back to your original question. That's crazy. Also, like, damn, what a, what a gift from a radio station. I didn't know they had that kind of cash to throw around. Shit. I know. Very nice. And again, they let me take a friend as well, all paid for. So I, I can't imagine what the uh, total bill would have been, been for on that. But that's kind of how I uh, got back into it. And then, you know, if that didn't happen, I probably wouldn't be here doing wrestling because 2012, I then left. Uh, when I had a little gap here in the UK in 2013, I just moved to England, started from scratch, started training at a wrestling school there because I knew that there was no wrestling in New Zealand or anywhere else. And and honestly, the way that it made sense in my mind is that America's number one, you know, England's kind of like the little brother first opportunity and stuff like that. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. At the time, that's what I thought and hey, it worked out. That's pretty crazy to have yeah. not trained you moved to England to do this. What if you didn't like it? I mean, that's, that's a, a lot. That's a great question. That's a great question. That's what the guy said to me the first night that I trained as well. He's like, don't you think it would have been good to try this first? I was like, yeah, <laughs> but I'm here now. So this is it, I guess. Was there anybody of um, like any note that was in there with you when you were training to get started? Like guys that you kind of came up with during that time? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and just to touch on this story, I don't know if I went the whole time when I went to England and stuff. Uh, I never told anybody that I was planning on wrestling, by the way. I kept that to myself until I uh, basically got to England. Parents didn't know. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> How old were you? I was either 21 or 22, around there. First time I told my mum, I was actually in the at the arena Portsmouth Guild Hall before the show. And I was like, oh, yeah, so this is actually what I've uh, come to do and I'm debuting tonight. What did she say? I think she was just kind of shocked. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, cool. <laughs> like, obviously supportive and cool. Um, I can't exactly remember, obviously, but she's obviously very supportive. Just, I'm sure, very surprised because they had no idea. It's so funny thinking back to, like, that age. Cause when I think to myself being that age, like I was 19, packed up my bags to move to Los Angeles. I'm like, I'm going to go be an actress. I had done like one commercial, a couple music videos. Like I was not fucking ready to move to Hollywood to do that. But I'm like, here I go. But it's so funny to think of like that bold, younger version of yourself. That's just like, fuck it. This is a thing that I'm going to do. And I'm leaning 100% into it. And it's like hindsight is 2020. Like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I did that. But I wish that you could like carry that boldness with you. I feel like it goes away over time. Yes. Thank you. Cause I was just about to say this, like when you said like that boldness back then, I don't know if I would have that now, like all this, all the stuff that I kind of just basically just having the guts to go and do that without any sort of guarantee or nothing. That's like, I feel like now that I'm a little bit older. I don't know if I'm too sensible to, uh, to think that I could do that or something. <laughs> it's like that blind confidence or something. You're just like, this is what I'm going to do. And it is what it is. I definitely agree. I feel like you do lose that a little bit. Maybe it's because I got comfortable or something, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could be able to do that again. Who knows? Well, I think it's like, I don't know, responsibility starts to kick in where it's like, okay, now I've got, you know, I've got to have a mortgage or like, oh, you know, you're in a relationship or whatever. There's all these other real life factors that start to creep in that ground you to wherever you are that make you kind of plant your roots, whether you had intended to or not. But the fact that you were able to do that, that I was able to do that, like I wouldn't change a damn thing. And I feel like everybody should have that experience to like, just go fucking try something. Exactly. 100%. Like some of my coolest memories are like nothing fancy at all. It's, it's like me riding my shitty bike through the pouring rain in Portsmouth because I've got to go from 
I've just done a 12 hour shift working at the gym and I've got to go to wrestling training. And I've got to bike back through this kind of shitty area. But like thinking about on that stuff, like you said, wouldn't change any of it. None of it. Anytime I go back or I love walking around that same area where I first lived, the first place I had there, I had to, uh, I, it was like a student house and the bedroom that I had, they uh, converted it into one from like an upstairs small bathroom. And these houses in, in England, they're all conjoined. It's very small. Like you had, you couldn't open a suitcase on the floor, basically. Things like that, cool memories like that, like you said, wouldn't change any of it. And before I forget, you mentioned if there's anyone I train with of note. The biggest name that I could think of off the top of my head would be Jamie Hayter. I trained under a guy called UK Kid, Tom Jones, uh, obviously not the singer. Uh, his uh, a company there was uh, yeah, BPW Varsity. Not unusual to be loved by anyone. Exactly. I'm sure he'd do a great rendition of it anyway. But, uh, we actually shared a wall, our training facility, with uh, Revolution Pro. And so they had other guys there and stuff. Jamie Ada, she came in. Um, I can't remember when she started joining us for a little bit. We might have been there for a year together. but So it's really cool seeing how... She's blowing up since then as well. Yeah. She's crushing it. She's yeah, she absolutely is. What a great like look she has. I'm a, I'm a fan for sure. She's done a great job transforming with that as well because yeah, she's Jack now and yeah, she never used to be that Jack before. So she's done awesome. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite things is seeing like the throwback photos to people when they first started and they're like these kids, these like scrawny kids that like don't really know what they're doing. And then you see someone like transform into this star. It's funny. I was thinking about that with Becky Lynch the other day. She was posting video, uh, some pictures of when she first started talking about how long greatness can take. It takes a long time. And you look at that first version of her when she first started wrestling, you know, in Ireland to this beast that she has become at WrestleMania. She comes out with a mullet. She's got this whole new fucking look. And it's like, it's cool. I just, I love the, I love that stuff like that does take time. And that some people think that it feels like it's this overnight sensation. And it's not, it's like those years and years of grinding that, that nobody sees. Yep. 100%. And, and it does make it so much more enjoyable for those watching as well. If you can see that whole kind of story from the start. And I think that's uh, that's probably the best thing with the New Japan Young Lions system is that they get to see these guys come in at such an early stage and they get to watch their journey. Some fans, they may catch on to stuff now, but uh, when I'm doing signings and stuff, they say, oh, we've watched you since the Young Lion days. And you can just tell that they just have such a bigger appreciation for everything because they've seen it all and kind of they've kind of been along that journey with you. So um, it is always good when you can kind of track back and see the early days and stuff like that. Yeah, it's always good. So I just sang a couple bars of a Tom Jones song, and I would like to take it back to when I first met you in Japan. Um, I was hoping this wouldn't come up. Go on. <laughs> You're damn right was, it's coming up. I was up. great. I was like, I was like what is Renee going to want to talk to me about? I was like, oh, I've only met her a couple of times. Is there any any uh, notable interactions during those times? I'm like, oh, shit, she might remember Carrie. <laughs> I do I'll, remember I'll let you. I'll let you lead here, so I want to see where you're going to take it. So... We go out to karaoke. This was uh, during Wrestle Kingdom. I got to go out with John. It was my first and only time in Tokyo. It was incredible. I was only there for about two days. But we go out to go do karaoke afterwards. It was me, you, That was a big group of people, yeah. Yeah, um, Finley was there. Yeah, it was a good group of people. But in the smallest little room, of course, we're in Tokyo. That was big for Japanese karaoke as well. We got lucky, but so, yes, it was a small room. I had to step out at one point because I was like, "Mm, am I about to have um, a panic attack because of this tiny little room? (laughs) No, actually, you know what tipped that off was because it was me, John, Juice, and maybe one other person. We're in the elevator going up and Juice goes, imagine this thing stopped and we all got stuck. And I'm like, oh, my God, don't even like fuck with me like that that's my nightmare uh so he he actually ruined my night single-handedly with that but anyway so we go in to do karaoke and you fucking crush at karaoke well i can't remember what song you did i just you did uh, numerous songs but i remember you doing a song that required different harmonies and there was like a back and forth like you sang both parts what a skill there was two options i was thinking here because you know there's about Jay White's top five karaoke songs that he performed each time he goes out. But the two that I know you're going to pick out of, and I think I know exactly which one you're talking about, because once you said the back and forth, it's uh, it wasn't me by Shaggy. Huh? <laughs> yes, it was so good. 
The other one was going to be Your Hips Don't Lie by Shakira. I don't know if you were there for that, but I killed that as well. Oh, I, I did not hear that, but what? Oh, my God. I can't believe I missed that. I remember you stealing the show. Actually, you know what? You came, you did a perfect Britney Spears. Uh, I can't remember what the song was, actually, but <laughs> oh, the yeah. old baby baby was everybody stopped and was like, oh, shit. Okay, everybody <laughs> better watch Renee now. I remember that. And I was like, oh, I did just kind of hit that. I got it. All right. No, what a Shaggy, good time. Uh, it's one uh, everybody everybody knows the chorus, you know, nice soft harmony in the chorus, but nobody expects anybody to pick up uh, Shaggy's verses. So luckily I'm there to, you know, take the load for everybody. What other like hidden skills do you have? Because that one, I like, I mean, I remember it so clearly that I was like, well, shit, look at you go. I don't know what other, what other hidden skills you're going to have there, but you're right. I do try to hit a different, you know, different ranges when I do the character. You, you have to. Hips don't lie. You got a, uh, it wasn't me. What's the other one I go to? Oh, Ballroom Blitz. Oh, yes. To, yes. Yeah. You did Ballroom Blitz and it was amazing. That's that's a hard one to do. It's quick. So you got to like have your breathing on point. Have a bit of experience as a performer, you know, so I can be on top of that. Also, plenty of practice uh, doing karaoke in Japan as well. It's very, very common uh, pastime out there. I'm so glad I got to do karaoke in Japan. That is like that you have to do karaoke when you're in Japan. Yeah, it's great. And they just keep bringing you drinks if that's what you want to be doing and stuff. So, yeah, it's always nice. The, the service can get serenaded every now and then. Um, they're always good sports about it. So, yeah, it's always fun, though. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there, and you can see us talking, having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there. Um, and that's been like a really great, cool growing community. So, uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there and jump in the comment section, you know, jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, we like filtering through them all, reading about them, maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism. If you had it, we're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.